Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Dr. Stephen Baskerville. He is a university lecturer of more than 30 years experience. He's also a certified gentleman, not because he has a coat of arms, though he does, but because he's married to a genuine lady. Today, we're going to talk about his recent book. Very good book, by the way. I would encourage everybody to go out and get it. It's by Sophia Press. It's called A Gentleman's Guide to Manners, Sex, and Ruling the World, How to Survive as a Man in the Age of Misandry and Do So with Grace. Hey, doctor, thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure. So what caused you to write this book? You were just looking at the culture and the, and the way men are acting these days and like, wow, we, I really need to kind of plant a flag and, and let people know that we've gone way off course. Well, that's part of it. Yeah, I, I've written several uh, semi-scholarly books, mostly on the politics of uh, sex relations, gender relations, if you like, the family and so forth. And um, I found that just telling the world about the factual, the factual um, bits of it uh, isn't enough. I mean, people are shocked sometimes by what I write, but it doesn't necessarily translate into action or to, to, to solving the problem. So I thought that it occurred to me that really what we need to do is we need to, uh, men need to take um, matters kind of into their own hands. And, and that means starting with themselves and their own uh, comportment, their own behavior, their own attitude toward the world and towards uh, society, toward gender, sexual relations, if you like. And uh, there's been many of these books uh, over the course of history. They go back to the Middle Ages, similar kinds of books. So I thought it was time to update the genre a little bit. Well, you know, and you mentioned, you know, they need to take things into their own hands. And, you know, in the book, you do talk about, especially in the beginning, about how feminism has in it, has had an impact, right? It basically has, you know, called masculinity toxic and has attacked what men are supposed to be. But, you know, reading your book and just, you know, thinking about it, you know, it's not like men just got here by happenstance. They allowed this to happen, right? They allowed feminism to knock them down and they didn't stand up. So really, it, it, to be a gentleman, you know, you mentioned, you know, one about taking responsibility of yourself, leaderships, sacrifice, courage. But it really is, you know, hey, stand up and be a man. And I really appreciate, you know, the book. Can you talk a little bit about your definition of a gentleman and why it is so important, especially today. Well, you are correct, first of all, that um, uh, men did have failed to, to stand up for themselves. Uh, and they're, they're cowed into submission in many ways. Uh, and it's often men with, with great physical courage, but, but sometimes lacking in moral courage. And they don't know how to how to stand up and uphold the standards of of masculinity and femininity and and you know correct comportment without um, feeling awkward or overbearing or so forth. It's very it is very difficult to strike the balance and and there are standards uh, that we've arrived at over centuries, and this book's an attempt to restore them. And that is I mean that partly answers your second question about what does it mean to be a gentleman. I mean this has been a subject of great debate over the centuries. Uh, it goes back to the to the English gentry class, uh, which was the, in many ways the ruling class on the, on the, on the local level of the English shires. And the, the ideal was transplanted into America in places like, uh, you know, the gentry class in Virginia, the mother of presidents and in the aristocracy, semi-aristocracy of, of New England, cities like Boston and Philadelphia. Um, but it's, 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 um, 
it's been subject. It's an ideal that has been subject to revision and to and to um, challenge over the centuries because it it has been identified with specific classes, with classes, ruling classes of people, the gentry, the aristocracy, and the American equivalents. But there's always been challenges along the way to the moral. There's always been people who object to the moral conduct of the of the ruling class and say so you're not behaving right. You're not behaving like a like a gentleman. You may be an earl, you may be a duke, you know, you may be the, the head of the, of the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, but you're not behaving like a gentleman. So it's always been over the centuries attempts to infuse the, gent- the definition of a gentleman with new meaning. And it usually means some kind of ethical and moral meaning that is perceived to be lacking. So that's what I've tried to do. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I can, I, there's no place where I can define a gentleman in 25 words or less. Right. Um, it's... It's, it's a combination of a social status, that is to say a stratum of society, a ruling class in some sense, but also a combination of that with a moral element, an ethical element. And those two elements have always been in conflict, not in conflict, but in tension over the centuries. Um, is a gentleman a, 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 you know, a wealthy man, a high status man, or is a gentleman a man who behaves properly? And that's a, you know, those are questions which we need to continually ask ourselves. Well, I think it's important that everybody should be a gentleman. And I think you bring that out in the book and you just mentioned it here, right? It's not just because you were born into a certain class that one is expected of you or two, then you don't have to do it. It's really, a, you know, something that each and every one of us to, should do. And I think, you know, reading your book, there really is to be a gentleman. It's not like you're born into it. There really is an intentionality. And you mentioned the moral side of it, right? We live in a, in a world where the moral compass not only has been broken, they smashed it. And if it's ever going to come back, men need to stand up in an intentional way and live by the moral code, not their own moral code. Precisely. Yes, we can't make it up as we go along. We have to have some reference to the standards of the past, uh, the standards that you know, our society is, is accepted over over the centuries. And um, you're right, men have to, uh, on the one hand, it doesn't mean uh, being a gentleman doesn't mean being overbearing. It doesn't mean to be a bully or, or hyper, um, you know, a, a masculine. It doesn't mean joining a gang. It means um, it, it, it's a matter of, 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 of asserting oneself, but not just for oneself. Um, you, you don't stand up, you're, you're not forceful just, just for your own, particular interest, or even for other men, but for, for larger, um, larger moral purposes, for the for concepts like justice, and for the for the relief of the oppressed and for, you know, for, again, for the protection of for the protection and, and respect of women. That's always been a part of it. But it doesn't mean that women have carte blanche to do whatever they want, and that they don't have rules to respect also. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned, you know, to be to be forceful and to do that, it's not for one's own ego. And I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up when it becomes, you know, me, myself, and I are my three favorite people. And I'm doing this to show the world this is who I am, as opposed to doing it because it's the right thing. When the ego drives you, you're, you're heading down the wrong path, aren't you? Precisely. But on the other hand, it also doesn't mean that you're a doormat. It doesn't mean that you just um, accept accept uh, insults or or, or 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 challenges to to your uh, to, to your own status, to your own honor, to use an archaic word somewhat, or or those of others. You stand up for other people, for other men, for women certainly, uh, and for anyone that's that's oppressed and downtrodden. Um, I have a section on philanthropy, 
how gentlemen are expected to to relieve the poor uh, and to, to be concerned about the larger um, issues of their society, to patronize the arts, to, um, to, to contribute to the improvement of society. Well, and I think you did a very good job of going through this book and hitting all these topics. So again, I would encourage people to go out and get it. Uh, it is out by Sophia Press, and my guess is you can get it on Amazon. Where else can they get it, Doctor? Because if I don't say it now, I will forget. Okay, well, they can get it on Amazon. They can get it at the Sophia Press website, which is, I believe, sophiainstitute.com slash gentleman's guide. Okay. All right, well, I wanted to get the info And they can also get it. Uh, yeah, excuse me, I was going to say, they can also get it on my website, www.stephenbaskerville.com. Okay, great, great. So I would encourage people to look this up and any guy you know, they need to get this because it is a good guide just to end a reminder to us when we start buying into the lies of the culture, what we're really expected to be, not the lies of what the culture is. And, you know, part of the book, you do talk about the importance of appearance, right? How one dresses, you know, how one speaks, you know, you don't speak in vulgarity. So really, you know, it's kind of like when you're sick, if you get dressed in the morning, you tend to feel better. If you lay around in your pajamas, you never feel better all day. And so you really have to dress and act the way you're supposed to act as well, right? You don't want to go out looking like a bum. Well, precisely, yes. If you, if you look and, uh, you look, uh, and appear as a gentleman, you're, you're more likely to, to want to be one and to be, to be one. It doesn't mean that you, the dressing or appearance becomes an end in itself. That's what um, Carlisle, what we call a dandy or a, a fop, if you like, a, a man who, where aesthetics generally or, or dress and appearance uh, become end in, ends in themselves. That's not the case. But it is a matter of showing, it's, it's often said that the purpose of, of dressing properly is to show respect for others. I prefer to say it, it's, it's, it's a desire to, to please others, that the default position should be that you want to please the world with the way you look. Um, it doesn't mean you want to please them always. You might decide that certain members of the world, you decide you don't want to please. But right. the default position is that we go out and we start the day. Uh, and we show respect and, and uh, we, we try to give um, pleasure, ple- you know, a pleasant appearance for the sake of other people. Yeah. And I think, you know, you quoted, I, I looked, you know, when I was looking at that section and you say proper, je- proper dress conveys not only a seriousness and professionalism, but also masculinity. And I think that goes to what you were saying. It's not to try to, you know, make yourself look like something you're not. It's just part of who you are. And it's just all these pieces added together is what makes a gentleman, but you start subtracting the pieces and you start going off this path that, you know, kind of where we are today. Right. Right. And another point that I make, I, I I'm sure someone else has made it somewhere, but um, is that a gentleman's dress, a man's dress is, is almost always a uniform and a uniform um, communicates uh, an acceptance of duty as acceptance of obligation, any uniform. And that's why men's clothing, men's suits, for example, tend to be more uniform, gray or dark blue. Women can dress with much more variety and individuality because traditionally women didn't have, and I think in many ways women still don't have, the responsibilities that men, that that are inherent to masculinity. And it's no accident that as dress becomes more formal, it becomes more sex specific. In other words, uh, casual clothing is androgynous. It's, it's, it, it doesn't convey masculinity or femininity. Whereas when we start dressing more formally uh, uh, for, for occasions, um, we dress uh, specific to our sex. Yeah, I think it is a good point. I mean, 
because we're probably both old enough to remember when people used to dress up to get on an airplane or, you know, you dressed up if you went out to dinner. And now, you know, half the time you're on an airplane or out to dinner, it looks like they're going to the beach or, you know, they just dinner was like a second thought and they just I'll pop in and I'm not changing to do so. So I think it, it does matter. And it, it does it does convey a message. And when I look, I've gone out looking like a knucklehead. And I'm sure it's probably like, geez, this guy just got off the banana truck. No, no, yeah, so no, we all do it. But it, it's also in many ways when we dress that way, and it, like overly casually, we're, we're again reverting in some ways to to childhood. It's it's uh, that's how that's how children dress generally is 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 this boys and girls aren't so different always, and then they're to be um, very informal. So we, we need to keep this in mind, and we may not intend it as an insult to other people. But in in a small way, that, that's what it is. You know, you do have a, a great section on, uh, you know, how is how is a gentleman to treat a lady? You know, let her go first, you know, hold the door, help her with her coat, pull out her chair. And, you know, obviously within reason, you don't let him go first if there's danger ahead or something crazy. But, you know, all if I go out and I just watch and very few guys hold a door for a woman. Very few hold a chair out for them. And when I was a kid, if I didn't do it, my dad let me know in no uncertain terms that I better do it or the wrath of God was going to come upon me. Right. Oh, very true. And, and and we all bear some blame for this. But the, again, the, you know, it is true. The feminist movement has has um, has intimidated all of us. In many ways, from these things, yeah, that was a that was, of course, the most problematic section of the book to write because, uh, in many ways, the traditional rules do hold; they're, they're still uh, valid because they're, they're eternal principles. Um, but they often are difficult to apply today uh, for precisely these reasons of cultural and sometimes political pressure. So it took some finesse to to try and come up with ways that that. Um, Obviously, the, the gentleman's got a, a major part of the of the old code, the old gallantry, and sometimes referred to as chivalry, was that women are to be are inviolable, that they are to be treated with respect, uh, and that they are to be protected, um, and they are to be provided for, uh, if they are, um, especially if they're within your family, uh, and all of these things are true. We can't we can't deny these things are, are still valid. Um, but that uh, sometimes we've gone, uh, I don't want to say too far, but we've we've confused that with We've, we've allowed some women to, to, to make up new rules and to change the rules at whim and to, to live as if they don't have any rules. And, of course, this has never been the case. Ladies always had rules that they had to uh, adhere to as well. And sometimes in the right circumstances, uh, it's up to the gentleman, to, the gentleman uh, to, to enforce those rules. And um, especially, uh, for example, his daughters, most obviously, um, and, and others. And it's it's... It's difficult now that it takes a certain amount, again, moral courage to do that. But I think we have to we have to restore that. It doesn't do. I mean, one of the rules of a gentleman, a gentleman doesn't complain all the time. He doesn't he doesn't run to teacher. He doesn't run to the authorities to to and, and tattle on when someone's doing wrong. He, he deals with the matter himself. He addresses the matter himself. And that takes a certain amount of uh, first of all, you have to know the rules and how to do it. You have to have the moral courage to do it. And you sometimes have to have the, the resilience to accept criticism if that's the result. Well, I think moral courage is actually the key phrase because to do most of the things in this book in the world in which we live today is going to take moral courage. And, you know, how to treat a lady. 
you do it because it's right. And that's, that's it. And if you let the chips fall where they may, because you do talk about later on about, you know, why it's important for a gentleman to have religious faith, right? Jesus Christ is the perfect model of, of a gentleman and how we're supposed to act. And to have faith really is part of being a gentleman, isn't it? It, it is absolutely for, for a number of reasons. And I, I wrote the book in such a way that I did not presuppose that the reader is a Christian or is a convinced right. Christian. So I wrote it for, especially for young men, but for men of all ages who, who might um, be, at least be open-minded about religious faith and willing to consider it. Um, and to understand that if you're really serious about being a man uh, and being a gentleman, uh, you need to consider seriously the, the religious faith. And for a number of reasons, it's, historically, that's the case. Uh, again, over the centuries, the ideal has been, uh, not not every element of it is Christian. There are certain elements of it that are, that are not Christian. But it was Christians that oftentimes uh, enforced the ideal. It was Christians who preached the sermons, for example. Um, it was in church that you learned the, 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 um, you know, the, the basic principles. And uh, in England, in the English-speaking world, at least, it was uh, often the Puritans. Um, but other other churchmen as well, other other um, others as well who challenged the traditional notions of gentlemanly conduct, uh, the social status definition, and wanted to infuse it with uh, with moral uh, moral substance. So um, you're right. Uh, the, the great sociologist Max Weber, the German German sociologist, in his Protestant ethic essay, uh, observed that the, um, the 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 Puritan ethic, the ethic of, of asceticism that, that certain religious movements have, have inculcated uh, was the basis for the for the for the control of the emotions for the self-effacement for the understatement for the sense of self-humility uh, that is part of the code of being a gentleman yeah I mean so to have a relationship with Jesus although the world may tell you that's for whims it's exactly the opposite as with most of the topics we've with all the topics we've talked about today in terms of having that moral courage, because right is right, it's always right, and wrong is wrong, and it's always right. So to, you got to pick a side. And, uh, you know, that today we live in a world where gray area has shrunk, and you really have to pick a side on which one you're going to. You know, you have a line in here, relations with women are inevitably at the heart of manhood. And men have really fallen down on this. I mean, I was just thinking of, you know, contraception, pornography. Uh, we just see all these things that are that are of evil intent really have chipped away and and you know neutered men to the point where if you don't stand up you're going to get claimed by the tsunami absolutely yes it's very true um men do have to 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 have a sense of quiet but firm confidence um, you start with your own behavior and you get that in order but then you you're not indifferent to the, to the behavior and the, and the um the sins of the world as well. And it doesn't mean you stand on a soapbox and preach on a street corner all the time. But it does mean that you, um, that, that if you're going to honor these principles uh, in your own life, it also means honoring them, uh, especially toward those you love, those closest to you, those in your family, uh, your friends, your close associates, um, and uh, doing so in a way that's not self-righteous, that's not preaching, that's not nagging or scolding, but in a way that um, shows that, you know, you understand the rules and um, you, you, you do your best to honor them and you expect the same of, of, of others. 
Yeah, and you mentioned in the book that every stable and prosperous society insists that men must get their sex drive under control before they can claim leadership. And, you know, pornography wouldn't be the, you know, probably trillion dollar business it is today if guys didn't look at it. So it really is under their control. But if they don't get their sex drive under control, their sex drive is going to rule them and take them right down into the pit. Yeah, this is very true. I mean, this is, a, again, one of the themes of the book is the theme that, um, that, that self-control is, is, is the essence of being a gentleman. And, uh, and I, say that, I say that the sex drive is the big one. There are others as well. I mean, the use of, uh, you know, uh, uh, the abuse of alcohol, for example, the abuse of, mm-hmm. uh, the use of drugs of any kind, illegal drugs, um, gambling. Um, there are other forms of dissipation um, which are, uh, will quickly unravel a man and which will, um, you know, which it is the definition of a gentleman to get them under control. But in many ways, yeah, sex is, is the big one. And again, we see this in movements like the, the Puritans, like the, the Jesuits, uh, um, before that, the, the monastic movements. Uh, these, these Christian movements over the centuries that have been dissatisfied with the, the, the ethics of their society. And so they, they accept various forms of asceticism. And these have been oftentimes, I'm not saying a gentleman is an ascetic, because oftentimes a gentleman is, um, there's a certain side of it which appreciates the good life. But there's also a, 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 a very important sense of quiet, firm self-control that is part of the ideal. You know, you mentioned, you know, Hugh Hefner in the book, right, has really, you know, taken, you know, gentlemen down to a level you know, basically below the basement and was celebrated for it in our society. You know, even today, not that it's celebrated, but, you know, we have the scandal going on with Jeffrey Epstein tied to Prince Andrew, who, you you know, is supposed to be a gentleman. So there really are a lot of pitfalls. And, you know, if you're going to buy what the world is selling, you're going to end up what you deserve, a bag of nothing. Well, that's very much what we've seen. Yes, uh, over the over the recent years, we have seen that. We have seen gentlemen, uh, men, especially uh, prominent men, um, in many ways buying into the sexual revolution um, in ways that, uh, in many ways, I mean, uh, the whole. Sex, I've written this in my, my previous books. Um, I've, I've talked about the sexual revolution as a as a kind of massive honey trap, um, where the men um, partake of it. They they accept it uh, because of the freedom and the pleasure that it offers. But the, the trap is sprung at some point and they become, you know, they're, they're pulled into this highly authoritarian um, state structure, which punishes this um, behavior. Because what's happened, and, and I fear in the secular world, is that we have abolished the informal codes, the code of the gentleman, the religious code, the, the, the things that controlled personal behavior, especially sexuality. These, we've We've eliminated these, and what we've done is we've substituted new rules, which in many ways are more authoritarian, more draconian. They're enforced not by social pressure or by a peer pressure or by morality or by the community or by the family. They're enforced by the state. They're enforced by the gendarmerie. They're enforced by courts and police and prisons. And these codes of behavior, the gentleman's code, the, the Christian code, um, these were alternatives. These were ways of society had of encouraging or even forcing um, people to behave themselves without the use of handcuffs and prisons and um, you know arrest warrants and so forth. And when we discard them, people are going to come along and they're going to substitute new new rules, and they might be much more draconian and much more harsh. 
Yeah, I mean, we can just see in our lifetime how how things have gone. I mean, and, and in the end, I mean, if if there's a guy listening to this or you have one in your life and, you know, they view women for their own sexual gratification, then they're part of the problem and they need to get back with it. Because if you to love someone is to will the good of the other, it's not some lusting after an individual, because then you lose. You're basically saying that person doesn't have any human dignity. It's all about me and whatever I want, and it's all about my pleasure. And I think that's really what we have seen, and it's led to divorce, father, you know, children growing up in fatherless households. I mean, the dominoes continue to fall, and things just continue to deteriorate, don't they? Absolutely, yes. And and uh, um, and there, and and there are those who say, you know, we can't go back to this; it's archaic. Uh, actually, in some places, I kind of take issue with some other conservatives, there's kind of a trend today toward, you know, going back to the gentleman's code um, by other books. But I've sometimes they've, many of those are criticized for being too selective or giving a kind of, um, you know, a, a niceness, a code of niceness and a code of self-sacrifice, but not a code of, of real manly strength. And um, I hope I didn't fall into that trap because uh, I think some of the uh, codes of gentlemanly behavior or the, the nostalgia for gentlemanly behavior by uh, expressed by some conservatives is a little too selective, a little too uh, soft and, and, and diffident and not as forceful as it, as it should be. No, I think you did a really good job on the book of really just pointing things out because it really is an opportunity, I think, to read the book and say, am I doing this right or am I struggling here? It really is kind of a litmus test be able to go through because there are so many parts to being a gentleman. It's just not having courage. It's just not dressing well. It's just not, you know, not gambling or not speaking in a particular way. It's all these things added together. And I think it is a great litmus test for each and every one of us to kind of go through and say, you know, where has society kind of warped my thinking and where have I fallen into some of these traps? So I think you did an excellent job on the book. We're down to a little bit less than a minute. Again, can you remind people, uh, Doctor, where they can hear about your webpage? Because you've written other things, and I think it'd be good for people to look at those. Right. Uh, okay. Well, my webpage is stephenboskerville.com. That's Stephen with a PH. And they can also see my, my previous books, which are on uh, sexual revolution and, and the politics of the family. And they can also find the book at sophiainstitute.com. I, again, I really appreciate it. I think when I, I got the title and I thought, boy, this is intriguing. We need to do a show on this because it, it is a good reminder of where we are and where we need to get to. So thank you, doctor, for all you've been doing on this. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.